0: I want to put a picture of the parking team up from last week. Last week, it was 32 degrees and raining. And that team right there. I love these little gifts uh, that you see on, on Twitter and things. And some of them are why women live longer than men. Those men actually really enjoyed being on that parking team last week. I don't even think it was a sacrifice. They loved it. I just want to say thank you. It's just awesome how we're jumping in and you're serving the Father that way. Whew. Well, my name is Chad. I'm the lead pastor here at Bridgeway. I'm really, I'm always excited. I, you know, when you're in love with Jesus, you're always excited. I was, I, I was clinically depressed 20 years ago. I had a nervous breakdown. I've been happy for the last two decades, and I don't, I don't want to stop. You know, our strength is joy in Him. And I I laugh sometimes when I go back and listen to my sermon. I always start off the same way. I say I'm so excited. Well, I am excited. I've been depressed, got the t-shirt, wrote the book. I don't want to be depressed anymore. I'm I'm happy. I, you know, he's awesome. We we have an eternal, eternal destiny waiting on us. We have he's interceding for us right now. Um I just I got some fresh revelation for this morning. The Father's the kindest person I've ever met in my life. I've never met someone more kind in my life. I um, I did something this week I thought I would never do, and I've made fun of it for years. By the way, you said me and you could do, what's is it, curling? And then you said it reminds you of middle-aged overweight men. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. I, heard, I caught that. I was like, wait, wait, what? Um, raise your hand in here if you've ever taken a shot of wheatgrass. I have judged you hard. I mean, seriously. Like... I'm all about stewarding our temples. But I said one time, I promise you there's something I'll never do on this earth. I will never take a shot of wheatgrass. I mean, just think about that. Wheatgrass. Somebody said, you know it would be healthy? Let's get some wheatgrass. Put it in the form of a, it's a tiny little bottle. And you shoot it, and it makes you healthy. I said I would never do it, and that was until last Thursday. When you go on an extended fast, you know that when you get skinnier, you do cooler things. <laughs> Most cool people I know are very skinny. I, uh, I went to this really nice place at Green Ridge. They have the smoothies you can't pronounce. It's like, oh, that's amazing. I hadn't heard the word phosphorus since I was in chemistry school. It's got some type. of. And um, I saw it over there in the corner. I was by myself. I thought nobody will ever know. When you spend $6 to shoot wheatgrass, you've been had. It's like Aquafina water. It's bottled in the Detroit River. That's a fact. You know, when I think of Detroit, I'm not thinking clean, pure water. I took wheatgrass. So I confess that before the elders and the church. I'll never do it again. It tasted like cat hair. (laughs) Some of you are are offended and God will heal you. He'll help you. (laughs) Let's look at Colossians 3, 1 through 3. I knew this morning was going to be a big morning sometimes you don't know why you know jesus snuck in the back door of nazareth was raised in a know-nothing town we got to be careful how we discern where god is doing things and how and why remember when elijah is expecting god to show up in a certain way like really loud and he shows up quiet jesus showed up in a quiet place maybe just maybe that he's picked greenville south carolina to help steward a move of god that really helps a lot of people in two streams helps a, a lot of people in the spirit stream and a lot of people in the word stream you know god loves people who are even in rebellion and he loves people who are submitted to a religious spirit he loves the people he hates the spirits and a lot you know in the past few weeks some of the things i've said it sound kind of angry well it's not at people i love people i actually don't like conflict i'm not a fighter i'm a lover but i hate that second round warfare i hate spirits i I hate the religious spirit and i hate the spirit of rebellion you know what happened with the jesus movement it was so powerful the enemy tried to find a way to detour what god was doing and what happened with the jesus movement is and and people won't admit this many times but a rebellious spirit entered the picture And if we're not careful we will find our freedom in christ but we will walk away from structures that are laid out to us, even in the new covenant by Paul. And uh, here's how you know someone's really walking with a rebellious spirit, is they will say things like, structure is control in disguise. I've heard that a thousand times in 20 years of being in ministry. Well, God loves people who are submitted to a rebellious spirit and don't even know it. And he loves people who are submitted to a religious spirit. It's not the the person that the anger's towards. But if I'm walking on the summit of the mountain of God, I'm walking in intimacy with him, and he opens my eyes to things, and I see things in the Spirit the way Paul did and other people have, it should be eliciting some sort of anger towards the spiritual entrapment of people. But I hope you never misunderstand and think that I like don't like people. You know, The Lord said as he's dying on the cross... Abba, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Even the Jews did not know what they were doing. They had their covenant-cutting God on their hands, and they didn't know it. The one who split the sea open was in their midst. They could touch him and didn't know it. Imagine James' moment when about 20 years after the ascension, James has a, wait a minute, I missed it moment. James, the super apostle in Acts, missed it. Well, God didn't hate James. Jesus didn't hate James. He was his own half-brother. But I promise you, he hates the evil one who sends his cohorts out to entangle us. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Pat Barrett is a, is a good friend of mine. I was like a big brother to him for a few years. We traveled and did a lot of stuff together, me, Pat. Pat. Ben Smith. One night, me and Pat Barrett, who you know, most people know Pat, and he, it's so funny, his song's escape me right now. We've sung it a thousand times here. Good, Good Father. There you go. That's like forgetting Elvis Presley's song. I, can't, I couldn't think of the name of the song. You know, Amazing Grace, that song. Good, Good Father. Most people have heard Good, Good Father. He wrote Good, Good Father. We were in a hotel room one night in College Station, Texas. I said, Pat, let's go into the throne room. Okay, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Can we go back to Colossians one? Because this isn't metaphorical. Since you've been raised in your life of Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. I have, for the last two decades, asked the Father to lock me in more to heaven's reality than anything in the natural. Because faith, in essence, is going beyond my five senses. Connected to a Father I can't see, taste, touch here. Well, I said... Can I get a water, please? I'm sorry. I said, Pat, you want to go into the Father's presence? He says, absolutely. This is what I said. Father, we come into your presence right now. The presence of God entered the room so instantly and so fast, it was a little scary. A wind started blowing from a room and the air condition was not on. Pat lays back on the bed and it lasts for about 10 minutes. And (laughs) I said, Pat let's just go let's just go i said father you're awesome it it it, it went beyond five. it it entered the five senses but you have to believe in the realities of the kingdom the realities of heaven itself and the realities of the father you have to believe that more than what you can see taste touch hear, smell feel and then and then a lot of times you'll have encounters where it manifests in the natural in psalm 24 it says who can ascend the mountain of the lord those with a pure heart and clean hands the mountain in the Lord, in essence, if you think of the movie Everest, it's getting to such a high place in God that you are living from a place where other people are not. That really aggravates orphanhood thinking. But you can get to a place where words of knowledge aren't mystical. They're more common than they're just so common. There there is a place that God wants to take Bridgeway to where we get to a place on the mountain where consecration is normal and intimacy with him is normal and fasting is normal and purity is normal and holiness is normal just because you believe in jesus christ and you're righteous does not mean that you have ascended the mountain of god because you can only ascend the mountain of god if you are currently walking in two things a pure heart clean hands and see there's a rebellious spirit in the spirit train in the church today that the father's really angry about because there's a lot of people dancing around like they're great friends with god but they don't have clean hands they don't have pure hearts and they're, they're not consecrated and the message of identity has been <clears throat> tricked in some ways it's been so overplayed that what we're seeing <coughs> what we're seeing is honestly a lack of the fear of the lord you see the fear of the Lord lord's beginning of wisdom and there's such a level of <clears throat> reverence there's such a level of reverence that if you ever get to a place with god where you're not walking in reverence i'm in trouble does anyone have a cough drop (coughs) we're all family here (coughs) i need something yeah seriously this had not happened to me the enemy does not want me talking about this today yeah i want that one what is that one yeah, here, I'll keep both. Anybody have a burrito? I came off that 40-day fast yesterday. Let me tell you something. There was a disturbance in the force. It was like the sound of 5,005 guys crying out, and they were silenced yesterday. Eight spaghetti at 6.45 a.m. I burped until noon, <laughs> went to a friend's house and ate <laughs> a lot of breakfast, went to a steakhouse last night, and I can't see it of my left eye right now. <laughs> There's a prophetess in this house. She came to me this past summer. She said, the Father is going to begin to take you into heaven. I said, pardon me? She said, you will never go on your own. It'll happen when the Father wants it. It's happened twice since she released the word. Happened last Sunday morning in here. I've had more people talk to me about last Sunday, what happened, some of the things coming out of my mouth, and they said it was, somebody even said, it was like you weren't even here. I tapped my wife on the shoulder before the service, and I said, babe, before I got up here, it was during worship. I said, I don't know how to tell you this. I'm not here. Now, you know how it is, us charismatic. Sometimes... We get so used to having encounters with God. You say some things sometimes and it's like, bless your heart. (laughs) I saw the eagle come and get the dove and flew away into the sixth dimension. I said, babe, I said, listen, see, the funny thing is, if you guys could get to know me in real life, I'm pretty, very common. I'm a pontoon boat guy. I'm not a speedboat guy. I don't live for dramatic stuff. I'm very slow. And, um. So this isn't like the way I'm naturally wired. And last Sunday, I said, Wendy, I'm not here. And I got on stage about 10 minutes after being on stage. Remember when I had Janice come give that word? And she gave that word. When she stepped down, God showed me where I was. I was in a literal courtroom. I saw a mahogany desk. There was a judge to my right I could see his arm. I saw a gavel. When I decreed that the Father's coming for the Bible Belt, I heard and saw a gavel hit, hit a desk hard. And I heard after I said it, you decreed it, it will happen. That week, I've been reading Robert Henderson's book, um, courts, Operating the Courts of Heaven. Jamie Galloway gave the word to our staff about courts of heaven. I'm looking at him like, you must be kidding me. And then a publicist from Baker Bookhouse and Chosen Books came to spend some time with me Friday. I said, what you been up to? And he said, um, well, I spent yesterday with Robert Henderson, the pastor, of, uh, the uh, author of Courts of Heaven. And I was like, maybe God's real. <laughs> And I looked at him, it's a friend of mine, his name's Sean Tabbott, and I said, this could get weird. I started prophesying over him at a restaurant where I'm drinking my unsweet tea and all the other sinners are eating their food while I'm drinking my unsweet tea around me. Um, the angelic manifests so strong at the table, it was legit. It was legit. What am I trying to say? There's two options in play. Oh, special Chad was such a special anointing, it must be nice. Or maybe I just take Psalm 24 real and I want to live from the summit and not visit there. <clears throat> y'all can't handle this. No, y'all can't. Handle it. When you when you want to get to the summit, you don't get there by buddy Christ confessing your identity all the time. You can confess your identity and be righteous and be living a life of sin, and the Father have nothing to do with it. Anybody can get to base camp at Everest. It takes a man that wants to walk in holiness to get to the top. You see, to go to the top of Everest in the natural, you 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 have to do certain things. There's a reason only there's not that many people that have done it. Well, to ascend the mountain of God, consecration is not every once in a while. You live a life of consecration. Jesus says, when you fast. Yes, he's nice. He's, he's, I've never met anyone more kind in my life, ever. But I've never met anyone more overpowering in my life. I've thought about Taco Bell the last three weeks. I'm not kidding you. And 20 years ago, Taco Bell had a commercial And it was when the Godzilla movies came out, and that little tiny dog was looking for Godzilla, that chihuahua, and he finally found him. And he would go, here, kitty, 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 right here. And he finally saw Godzilla, and that little chihuahua's ears went straight down, and that chihuahua said, Oh, I think I need a bigger box. Because he had a box he was going to put him in. You remember this commercial? See what's happening right now for many of us at Bridgeway? We think we've known him, we need a bigger box. And you say, well, he loves me. I'm as clean as Jesus. Yes, you're as clean as Jesus, but you can end up like Ananias and Sapphira if you don't live a consecrated life. Um, Go to 2 Timothy, that 2 Timothy passage. I'm going to make this so simple that we have to hire someone to help misunderstand it. I can give Satan legal access to my life and be spirit-filled, born-again, tongue-talking, praying for revival, awakening. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Now watch this. Next verse. And that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. The devil uses his cohorts to take people inside the church captive to his own will. But we still use the language as though we're just right on track. Have we read Paul lately? Paul, if he pastored a church in Greenville, there'd be seven people at it. (laughs) He shows back up to the church in Galatians and he goes, who's bewitched you? Quit sleeping with your mothers. Oh, we don't need to call out sin. Heaven forbid we call out sin. Paul called out sin. Five of the seven letters in Revelation, Jesus is not happy with the church. It's okay and not angry to say, Stop doing that and develop a pure heart and clean hands. Repent and turn. Look at this passage in Acts. This is Acts. We love us some Acts. We know we love us some Acts. (laughs) No, the Acts 21. This is crazy. Acts 20. 20. I think it's Acts 20, 20, and 21. Do we have that? I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for the Jews and Greeks alike the necessity of repenting from sin is this in the new covenant or the old covenant there is nothing more dangerous in the church today than the message of hyper grace nothing nothing you're gonna have to rip out most of the the scriptures oh I'm fine we're fine you're fine no that's not always true I'm not talking about the message of righteousness you can be you can spend an eternity in heaven go to heaven when you die and be righteous on the earth but while you're here be enslaved to the literal entrapment of the devil, and many times not even know it. One of the major ways this happened is a lack of submission to delegated authority in your life. God asked me a question yesterday. He's never asked me this question. I have never heard a sermon on it. I've never thought about it. I've never taught it. Go with me in your mind to when Jesus is in the garden post-resurrection. Who's the first person that found him? Mary, don't you love that? A woman is the first person to find him. I love that. You hear that religious spirit? I love that. The woman is the first person to find him. What does she call him? Rabboni. So Jesus is a rabbi. We know that. God asked me yesterday, who trained my son as a rabbi? He immediately said, Jesus Christ, fully divine, sinless, my son, my offspring even submitted himself not only to Joseph and Mary, but to the rabbinical school he grew up under. I was like, oh, that'll preach God. That's good. (laughs) So go with me to a passage to Acts 9. We love us some Acts. We love us some Acts because we only focus on the power encounters typically and what's available to us. But there is a structure behind the power encounters that very few want to talk about. Not only does God love structure, he really loves it. It's called the solar system. Let me tell you the quickest way to invite the enemy, besides walking in impurity and not even wanting to know God, one of the quickest ways to invite the enemy into your life to destroy you is to murmur and hate the delegated authority that the Father has put in your life. Many of you want a destiny and it'll never manifest because your destiny is your current boss and you will not submit to him or her. So what we do is we leave that job and leave that job and leave that church and leave that church and leave that job and leave that church and leave that job and leave that church and leave that church and leave that church and leave that church and wherever we go, there we are. And so if you don't pass a test that the father's handing out, he'll hand you out another test until you pass it. F, F, F. Oh God, I'm just waiting on you. You're pruning me, son, I'm not pruning you. It should have taken you 11 days to get in the promised land. It's taken 40 years because you would not submit to who I told you to submit to. I am going to eat a burrito in one of these messages one day. <laughs> all, these, all these skinny preachers have these water bottles. I'm going to bring a Dr. Pepper and a burrito up here. <laughs> this is so good that... Just watch this. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. The word Lord in Greek is owner. You know what owner means? He owns it all. Psalm 24, one. Everything in the world is the Lord's, the owner, and everything in it, his jacket, belongs to him. Remember when Jesus is going into Jerusalem, and he says, Hey, go uh, tell the the owner, go tell the man with those donkeys that the Lord needs the donkeys. You know what he's really saying? Those are my donkeys. I need them. He's so humble, but he also knows who he is. He is not still trying to figure out his authority He is a king you see it's very difficult to understand jesus because we've all grown up in a democracy well most of us some of us maybe from another country but it's very difficult to understand kingdom principles in a democracy it's it is really hard because he's he doesn't get voted in and out and some of you who think you're so close to him he does not care about your opinions nearly as much as you think he does he's see a lot of people what they do see the the owner the lord He has set up a a structure of honor. And when you're murmuring against whoever's your delegated authority, you're not murmuring against the person. It doesn't hurt the person. You're murmuring against God himself. Then opposition comes into your life, and you wonder why this is happening. You've given the devil legal access because you're disobeying the owner's rules and stipulations and structure. You may not like structure. The owner does. All right, so Saul's doing his thing. Saul has no idea he's doing the wrong thing which shows me even God's principles trump my ignorance you say well I didn't know well it doesn't matter because you may be a co-heir but you're not the owner you're a co-heir on his terms you're a co-heir to jesus but the father who is greater than jesus jesus said that you're going to submit one way or another i'm going to submit on my own will or he's going to submit me and then like jesse said today one day when when people get there they're really going to submit you're gonna be like whoa i had no idea so saul's doing his thing here we go i love this he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in damascus so that he found if any there who belonged to the way whether men or women he might take them as prisoners to jerusalem as he neared damascus on his journey, journey suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him we would all probably love to have an encounter i don't know if you want to have an encounter like this he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him saul Saul, why do you persecute me? If you are walking in purity, ascending the mountain of God, and you have a pure hand and clean hearts, and someone's coming against you, and they're illegal, and you haven't done anything wrong, if you're in the kingdom, a big if, they're not coming against you. They're coming against the Lord. So if I am pure, and I'm being accused of something, I should actually sleep in the middle of that storm, because they're coming against the Lord. And to the level of my comfort in that storm, what I'm really saying is, Lord, I trust you to take care of this because you're the owner. Because many times God will sovereignly put you under the leadership of a King Saul and you have a David's pure heart. This happens all the time. And the devil didn't do it. The father did it and he did it to test you to see if you'll touch Saul's garment. The father is so kind. I've never met anyone in my life that does more testing, ever. See, a lot of times charismatics are like, well, father, I just don't understand why I'll why the debt while you're allowing the devil to do so many things in my life and he says oh sweetheart it's not the devil it's me i'm doing this i'm testing you the devil didn't put david under saul's leadership the sovereign god did the father did and he'll test you in seasons to see if you can even submit to an authority i'm about to prove it right here to an authority even when you may even be way more pure than the person that's over you your boss whatever And you may even be wiser. It's irrelevant. The rule still applies. Will you submit until the Father releases you from that? Because watch this. After Saul is blinded, let's go to the next verse, verse 5. We know this story. Who are you, Lord? I love that. Who are you, owner? When his glory shows up, you you know who he is. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He says it twice. That's the second time he's reminded Saul, you're coming after me. You would rather, have, you'd rather be in demonic warfare than be in opposition to the living God. I, um, he, he's showing me the consequences of what happens when his delegated authority walks in disobedience. Do you know who's held more accountable in this church right now than anyone? It's pretty terrifying. He's not my buddy Christ. I don't wake up in the morning saying, hey, I got a couple of to-do things on my list that I need you to handle. I wake up in the morning and I say, thank you for breath of my body. Is there anything you need from me today? What, what would you like? And he said, yes, I need you to spend more time with Jack. And I'm tired of telling you that. Yes, sir, I hear you. Like there's a humility. Uh, what does it say in James? Be careful before you desire to be elevated to that of a teacher for you will be judged more harshly. Oh, the father never judges. Quit listening to so much hyper grace teaching. Yes, he does. He's a judge. He's a judge who's a tender father. You say, well, all the sins I haven't even committed yet have already been forgiven. They have. The atonement's already been paid. But what happens is when I step into sin, I open up gateways and pathways for the enemy to destroy me. And so the message of Calvinism comes in and says, that's the harsh hand of God. God has got nothing to do with it. We violated the law, especially as a teacher. Let me tell you one way to get judged more harshly is to, to be given delegated authority and then to become disobedient. You'd be better off staying at base camp and never ascending to the mountain of God. This is why Jesus says it's better for any of you that want to hurt a child to have a brick, basically in our language, a brick tied around your neck and go to the bottom of the ocean. Oh, the Father will never judge anyone. And you got people saying, well, hell's not even real. Hell is real. Judgment is real. Righteousness is real. Holiness still matters, guys. It, it really matters. He say, that's not a big, premarital sex is not that big a deal. I pastor people on a weekly basis for 20 years that, that deal with the consequences of their actions all the time. And see, a lot of times what people who hate this message and think this is about control, they say, this sounds legalistic to me. What we call legalism, God calls structure and honor many, many times. Matter of fact, well, let me finish this. I am Jesus whom you are persecuted. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do whoo this is why this gives me life I don't have a dream over my life he tells me what to do and I do it I like it that way and he's the kindest person I've ever met I had a vision prophesied it last year I saw a tent a bunch of people here we put tip pegs in and we were gonna have some type of service that unleashed a movement to the Bible Belt well it's gonna happen with circuit riders it's gonna happen but here's the deal here's the deal here's the deal it wasn't my dream I'm not sitting there thinking, what can we do to shake the nations? You know what I did? I'm out there. I'm praying. I said, Father, what's on your mind? He said, you're going to have it. He showed it to me. Here's how it works. Just do what he tells you to do. Quit having so many opinions. And if you leave this church because you don't like this, the principles to the next leadership you submit yourself to, they will apply there. So you can't run from this message. Watch this. Jesus tells him to go to Ananias. Watch this. Verse 7. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless and they heard the sound but did not see anyone Saul got up from the ground but when he opened his eyes he could see nothing Jesus blinded him so they led him by the hand into Damascus for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias the Lord called him in a vision and said Ananias I I love guys like Ananias because they're so humble Ananias is like, you want me to do what? You know you're walking with God. Whenever he tells you to do it, you're like, oh, God, not do what? And he says, um, he said, yes, Lord. I love Ananias. Hey, Ananias, yes, Lord. Next verse. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. I love the humor of Father Jesus and Holy Spirit. I love it. They know who Saul is. Ananias would have had a heart attack, just like Gideon did, just like they all did. Esther's like, you want me to do what? Go before the king. Ananias is thinking, you want me to go find who? That's the one I'm hiding from. It would be like modern-day Isis. Saul was a vicious killer. Ananias, yes, Lord. Hey, go get Saul. I need you. (laughs) I just, I don't know. I don't know. Next verse. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and to place his hands on him to restore his sight. So God God gives Saul the vision. You know, maybe God's more involved in our narrative than we think. So many people worrying about your destiny manifesting. Do you know how small of a view of God that is to worry about your destiny manifesting? Your destiny is to follow him today and hush and get on your face. Next verse. I preached an entire sermon with this thing in my mouth. That's pretty good too. Lord... Um, Just a quick time out here I've heard many reports about this man <laughs> And all the harm he has done to your holy people in jerusalem And he has come here with authority from chief priests to arrest all who call on your name Do you understand how many times we tell the lord things as though he doesn't know them? <laughs> lord, I know you're busy uh, real quick here. This is Saul. Blah 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 blah. I love the lord's response. I love this Go. (laughs) Some of you, he's giving you a business idea. You've had it for over a decade and you won't start it. You keep asking why it's not manifesting because you didn't do what he told you to do. Uh, Basically, what the Lord says here is hush. Just hush. Go. This man is my chosen instrument. God does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants to do it. And a lot of you have a leader in your life that you say, God, I just... I can't trust a leader because I really don't like the leader. <laughs> it doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what I think. So many of us are so loose with how we bash politicians, how we bash mayors, how we bash pastors, our teachers. Can we go to Romans 13, one through three real quick? Romans 13, one through three. We're going to preach on this later. I just want to read something really, really quick. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. We've got two options. Spin that verse and make it as though it's not so or, or, or submit to the message behind this verse. Every authority in your life has been given by God. When we buck that authority, we're bucking God. And we're going to talk about what happened when Miriam did that, when Moses went up on the mountain. There are examples and examples. Back to the Acts passage. God, quote-unquote, did not heal Saul from heaven. Saul had to submit himself to Ananias to get his healing. Your destiny will come through the submission to someone in your life. And if you're not willing to steward someone else's dream, yours will never manifest on this earth. Can we go back to the Acts passage? I think it, we were at Acts nine fifteen, I believe. Do we have that? Um, but the Lord said, okay, next verse, verse 16. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Be careful before you ask for a huge destiny because it comes with suffering. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can we, let's just keep going through 18 through 21. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He got his healing when he submitted to Ananias. Many of your breakthroughs will not come from an encounter with God. It will come through you finally submitting to who God's put in your life. And then it, boom, it happens. Submission is not something, it's everything. Verse 19, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now watch this. Now God makes him go submit to the super apostles for three days. And once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God, all those who heard... All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Verse 22. Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. How did he grow in power? He grew in power because he submitted to two realities. He submitted to the Lord that he couldn't see, Psalm 91, because it says those who dwell. Psalm 91 realities don't apply to anyone who's not dwelling. Those who dwell, there's a Psalm 91, there's a, there is a heavenly submission, and then there's a delegate authority submission. Paul's career and influence, it came through the submission to two realities, heaven and governing authorities. Ananias carried something that Paul had to, Saul had to submit to. There was an argument in Acts later on, James finally stood up, gave the word, the other apostles said, James is right, let's move on. God's kingdom is not just this free, do whatever you want, whenever you want it type thing. Please, if you want to go deeper into this, we're going to go about six more weeks on this. If you want to read Watchman Knee's Spiritual Authority, read it. It's not to hurt or control anyone, it's to bless you. A lot of people have been given words of blessing and destiny over your life, but when we oppose God's principles, we're inviting the enemy to annihilate us. And then we think it's pruning. It's not pruning. I let the enemy take me out. I cannot tell you how many people I have seen their destinies never manifest and they wander around the wilderness for so long. It's because they didn't submit to who the father was calling them submit to. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus even submitted to the rabbinical system in Philippians 2. He submits to God. Therefore, God raises him to the highest level. There is a new movement going on in Christianity today. It, it's so many young people that have less and less opinions, and they say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. In that, it seems like it really traps you in. It's the most free place to ever be. I, I don't worry about anything. I can't tell you the last time I prayed for anything. I wake up in the morning, and I say, Father, my life is yours. If you have a child, what I would like for us to do right now if you have a child, if you could go get your child down in children's ministry and come back, I want to do some ministry time. If you could do that right now. I feel like I have some, just a few words in here. Father, we just love you. We just enter your courts. We just enter your courts. He's reminded me of a story. I, not too long ago, I prayed for a, a minister in this area. When I prayed for him, in the natural round blue angelic feathers fell on him. Not in the spirit, in the natural. They fell on. Heaven is more real than this realm. I was at my parents' house not too long ago. Angelic feathers fell in their, in their den. This is not some spooky, weird thing. He, heaven's realities, there is a literal Lord on a literal throne. And there's actually recipes for breakthrough on the earth down here. And it comes through submitting to him and just giving up your rights. Just getting up your rights. And then where he sends you, whoever your Ananias is, serve that Ananias. Serve that Ananias. Here's what I want to do. And only come down if, if the Holy Spirit's really leading you to come down. If the Father has been speaking to you about you going all in on submitting to two realities, one being his reality in heaven, Psalm 91. Like Paul, Saul said, who are you, Lord? I, I give my life to you. But also not just that, but also delegated authority. If there's anything wonky been going on with you and maybe bashing your boss or the place that God has in store for you that's been leading you and you've just been murmuring and not submitting, if you need to get anything right at the altar today, here's the, here's the deal. You get back into right standing with the Father the moment you repent. The moment you say, God, I don't, I don't want, I'm all in. Perhaps the boss you've been murmuring about God has put him or her there to actually test you and you've been failing the test because you won't stop murmuring and you won't pull an Ananias. If you need to get anything right at the altar today, I'm gonna to ask prayer service to come forward and I won't just come to the altar right now and just pray and repent and confess. There's, there's no heartbeat at this church of any other message than what God wants. And a lot of times what we think is control is actually protection. It's the generation where fathers and mothers are being raised to, to mentor and to raise the next generation. I do believe prophetically we're in the midst of a literal a Jesus movement, but this one actually is laced with fathers and mothers that raise, raise others where authority is not seen as something bad, but something holy. As you come forward, just, please just begin to pray with prayer servants right now. I feel like I'm supposed to tell a story. There was a young elephant in Africa that was running around all these different villages and he even killed some people. He was wild. They captured this elephant and they took him about 500 miles away to another place where there were older elephants. Within one day, the elephant tamed down and was acting normal. That elephant was around some structure and authority and some other elephants that carry what that, uh, that elephant didn't. And, and And he liked it. It put him back in his right mind. I blessed this house that the, this will be a place of structure that would never control anyone else. It would just provide protection to those that follow us, that follow you. May we be more committed to the ideology of heaven than our own ideology. I speak against any rebellious spirit in the church and the Bible Belt, that Father, that you would open up people's eyes to get untangled from that from that thinking. I pray, Father, also that you would just open up our eyes to get away from any entangled thinking on the religious spirit side of things. Would you please just free your people? I'm asking you to free your people from slavery in the Bible Belt, and this ideology of rebellious spirit and religious spirit. May we just be free to be connected to you. I bless the Bible Belt in the name of Jesus Christ with this fresh move of God that both freedom and structure would go hand in hand. I bless the young people in the Bible Belt. They will honor their fathers and mothers so that it may go well for them.